1: Learn more at marines.com. The Hangtime Podcast pre-draft edition. I don't know where to start, though, Lang. (laughs) The last 48 hours, we've seen the NBA world turned upside down. Trades, rumors. From uh, trades to (laughs) braids. Yeah, the worst image that I could have imagined to finish my night. No more braids on Kawhi Leonard's head. It's like an end of an era. What 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 cranked all this up?
2: I don't know, man. I, we thought the finals were over, and then all of a sudden everything went crazy.
1: <laughs> Saku Smith from the former Hangtime blog on NBA.com. My main man, Lang Whitaker <laughs> of the now deceased former. All Ball blog. Uh, listen, I don't even know what happened. I mean, literally one minute, I was minding my business. You know, being snarky on Twitter for once, you know, trying to join the rest of the free world and, and uh, playing around on social media. And the next thing I know, the NBA went off the rails. The number one pick now, of course, belongs to the Philadelphia 76ers. Boston trades it for the third pick. Danny Ainge doing his usual and going wild. D'Angelo Russell and Timothy golf gone to Brooklyn for Brooke Lopez in the number 27 pick. Not a, You know, nothing official yet, but... When it's a woes bomb, it's it's just a matter of time. It's um, woes season. Yes. Then, and this is one of the the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Late Tuesday night, Dwight Howard <laughs> throws it out there to the Twitter Twitter world. Hey, what's up, Twitter? What do you, you know? What do you think about all these trades? And be nice. Was his was the last thing he said? I guess Mark
2: Spears didn't see the tweet.
1: Yeah. Ten minutes later, he gets traded to the Bobcats, yeah. according to Spears. You know, which was a which was a gaffe, of course, on Spears's part. It was a total. I mean, it was just hilarious. I, when I read the tweet, Spears was like, "You got traded to the Bobcats for Mike Plumley, blah blah," and I was just like, "Holy what?" Is this?
2: Miles Palmer, I know. yes.
1: It was all. I mean, even the people tweeting the information. Clearly had gone off the rails. Let's um, back up.
2: Let's we'll get to Dwight, but I want to back up to the Celtics thing. <laughs> the Celtics trading that number one pick. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not. I was upset at the trade deadline when they didn't go all in and get a uh, Jimmy Butler or go get a Paul George. Mm-hmm. If you remember, are, are we okay with them just putting again? they they're not they're not ready yet.
1: Um, look, uh, if Danny Ainge has something very specific in mind that he's trying to get done then I have absolutely no problem with it. But if this is him kind of, you know, ducking and dodging away from these moments in the name of, well, you know, we're trying to get assets to get, you know, you better show me something. I mean,
2: but they did. They won the Eastern Conference. I mean, I know, but they, I'm saying you got all these assets.
1: You better show me something. Like, you're running out of time. By the summer of 2018, if we're still talking about all these assets, Danny Ainge is piled yeah. up and, he's, you know, he's – Pushing his chips back to the trade deadline, the following year, it's like, come on, man, show me, you know, do something.
2: Yeah. I it just, I, I the number you keep hearing when you're when I was up there a lot during the playoffs was mm-hmm. 2020, right? Like that, that's the that's the target they're trying to by 2020 they want all this stuff to be eh, in play. I
1: can't wait that long. Who who's gonna wait that long? You...
2: But are I mean, but are you waiting? Like the, I mean, they did win the conference. They had the best record in the conference.
1: Yeah, and it and, and that got them a whole lot of what beat down yeah. from Cleveland. So yeah, that, I mean it. It didn't amount to anything right in and in, you know legitimately i there are talents that'll be in this draft in the 2018 draft that to me you shouldn't have to wait till 2020 to to get what you want the The number one player slated for next year's draft right now right and I know we're skipping an entire entire draft Thursday night but if if you're not targeting Michael Porter potentially right. in next year's draft, you're crazy. Yep. Like, there is transcendent talent on the way before 2020. There's game-changing talent available via trade now, if right. you're willing to part ways with some of these assets. But you got to do something. At some point, right? Magic Johnson's been on the job, what, two months? If that. And he just unloaded Timo Moskov's contract, got rid of yep. D'Angelo. I mean, come on, do something now. Do something i got to get one of them D'Angelo Russell
2: Brooklyn jerseys. All those hipsters are going to love him. It's going to be you, awesome now.
1: That, you, you couldn't have found a better rebound spot for a dude who needed one. I don't care what anybody says. L.A. was not going to be kind to him. The yeah. expectations to me would have been unattainable for him in a Lakers uniform, and living down some of the gaps of his rookie year would have just been too tough.
2: And it feels like there's a hole at that point guard spot down for the Lakers.
1: Oh, I don't I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I know – <laughs> who fills that role if 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 things go according to plan? You talk, you sat down and talked to him. Yeah, it's a it's, I with Lonzo it's no Ball, brainer. Yeah, it's a no brainer.
2: I was impressed with him. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, there's a Q and A up on NBA.com right now, but I, it's so hard to separate Lonzo Ball from like all the sound and fury around Lonzo Ball. Right. <laughs> but I think if you can get past all the other stuff and just get to him and just talk to him, he's an impressive kid. I came away impressed by him.
1: You you've been busy hanging out with teenagers here recently. Watch it. I know you talked to. My- I know you talked to Malik Monk, yeah, the other day, uh, an interview we'll get to here on this episode of the Hang Time Podcast. Uh, I'm curious to hear it since I didn't get a chance to uh, participate, but I want to I want to hear what he had to say because I watched his feature with 3D. Yeah, I love I love his mid range shot in in the way he concentrates on that part of the game, which is a lost art for a lot of guys. And he, along with a lot of players slated for the the top half of this draft, to me, are difference makers. They're going to come in and help immediately in a lot of places because of the skill sets, you know, because they, they're guys who can shoot it, who can play multiple positions. I mean, we're in a different era of the NBA. No more was that more evident than, like I said, in in this day of big men getting shipped from city to city, Yeah, who you know, who are no longer the focal points they used to be. I mean, Brooke Lopez, Dwight, these are guys who— 10 years ago would have been the players you were trying to get your hands on and now they get moved around.
2: Uh, it, but it makes guys like Malik Monk and Lonzo Ball I think more valuable yeah. because th- that's the way the NBA is going now and and I, I especially a guy like Ball I think you know a guy who who loves to pass in the way these teams yeah. are playing he's definitely play a pace. new school player yeah that. yeah like it, that's going to be really different it, and it's going to make him a, a really valuable asset wherever he ends up but, but yeah it, it's it's the, it, the dwight trade to me is it's almost less of an indictment on him as it is like at, at, to the way the entire league is gone right you know like right. the, like there's just not a place for dwight I and mean, you saw it in the fourth quarter of those playoff games with the Hawks. like the, a lot of times there's, there's not a place for him for a team that's trying to play with speed and pace right and um well
1: i think, I mean, a, I'm, I think I'm he's a you.
2: good fit in charlotte though
1: we'll see i mean we'll see i but i'm i'm watching the young guys let's just i want to hear what Malik Monk had to say when you sat down and talked to him.
2: Joining us now on the Hang Time podcast is Malik Monk, who in a couple of hours is going to be in the NBA. We don't know which team yet, but uh, it's it's right around the corner. Malik, thank you, sir. How you doing?
3: I'm good. You?
2: I'm I'm great. How does it feel right now? Are you, are you got any nervous butterflies coming up yet?
3: No, I don't have it. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Probably when I sit down and get ready to walk across the stage, I'm like,
2: have you got your draft? I mean, the most important thing, clearly, is your draft outfit. Are you, are you all ready to go? You had a suit picked out and accessories and all that?
3: Oh, yeah, I'm working with Tiso. Okay. I got the watch, the uh, official timekeeper at the uh, NBA. And uh, they also doing, they give each first-round
2: draft pick a watch with the team colors or whoever they get selected to. So Oh, cool. Yeah, that's kind of unique. You grew up in the town in Arkansas. Is, is it Lepanto? Is that how you say it? Yeah, that's how you say it. <laughs> um who's the greatest we were talking about this before you got on who who's the best n b a player from arkansas in your in your uh estimation
3: uh Joe johnson yeah,
2: yeah. is that was that who you kind of watched growing up
3: oh uh, yeah a little bit
2: what did you realize like when you were growing up when did you realize i i think I can make it in the n b a
3: uh I think probably like my tenth grade year
2: okay and you what when, when did were you playing varsity by then
3: no, I was playing. Yeah, I was playing varsity in nineberg,
2: Oh, Okay, I figured. <laughs> were Were you like how tall were you back then?
3: Um, five eleven, six foot somewhere.
2: So you you were just a scorer back then. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, what's What's this process been like for you? That going through the the draft, like going around and meeting the teams and all that stuff. How How's that been?
3: Uh, it's kind of frustrating because you don't know where you're going, but. That so yeah, because you get to get to visit all the teams and, and see all the executives and all the yeah. high powered people. Was
2: Was there anyone you were like really excited to meet?
3: Uh, yeah, Phil <laughs> <Fia> Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Were
2: you? Were, what was your team growing up?
3: What was my my favorite NBA team? Yeah, OKC.
2: Oh, cause is that the closest to to where you grew up?
3: Uh Closest to where I grew up is Memphis, but I, I like the OKC because they had.
2: And KD. Yeah, are you the type of person like do you sit down and say, all right, you know, next year I make it to the NBA, I'm going to set some goals for myself, or are you just kind of take it as it comes?
3: Yeah, uh, you always got to have some goals <laughs> to, to see where you are. So yeah, I, I set a couple of those.
2: What do you want? You want to tell us what they are? are You're going to keep them to yourself? Oh
3: yeah, um, I want to rookie of the year. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get that for sure. Okay. Just, um, another one is trying to. To a rookie game. All,
2: all okay. That we the the rising stars challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can see oh, you yeah. in there. That's like an offensive showcase usually. So I, I think your game's tailor made for that. <laughs> how, how did, you know, a lot of guys go to Kentucky. Um, at this point, we've seen so many guys go there for one year and then, you know, immediately go to the NBA and, and have an impact right away. How, how did your year there kind of prepare you for, for the NBA? Yeah. uh
3: Cal just, Cal does everything, uh, just like the NBA. I think, uh,
2: because he, he was there
3: for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. He forced everything, forced everything to be just like the NBA, so that's what that's what it gets us gets us way more prepared.
2: And I know you're 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 close with Devin Booker and Tyler Ulis, some of the guys who who've made that jump.
3: Oh yeah, uh, like you said Tyler and Devin uh they talk to talk to us a lot.
2: Mm. What part of your game do you think is like most ready for for the NBA? Scoring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the way the NBA is now, it's like watching you play Kentucky. The guy you reminded me of was Jamal Crawford. I don't know if you get uh-huh. that a lot, but the the way you, I mean, the way you you were able to kind of get your shot off against anybody, and uh, you know, especially being on the perimeter, that seems like it's like the, your game is perfect for the NBA right now. Oh yeah,
3: uh, I heard I heard Jamal Crawford a couple of
2: times. Oh yeah. Uh huh. What part of your game do you think you need to work on? Strength. That, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. When, when the, whatever team it is that, that drafts you on Thursday night, um, what do they know that they're going to get?
3: Oh, a winner. Anybody, <laughs> somebody that's going to compete to win.
2: Okay. Last thing, uh, Thursday night, the NBA draft, you, you get across that stage. Um, are you going to be feeling like, what do you think, relief, happiness? Uh, you Kind of just be glad to be done with this last couple of weeks you've been through?
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Relief and
2: happy. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, we we wish you the best, Malik, and uh, appreciate you giving us a couple minutes. And um, looking forward to seeing what the future has in store for you.
3: Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.
2: All right. Thanks,
1: Malik. Uh-huh. Malik Monk, Lang, a man of a uh, few words, I guess. Not not as, quite as loquacious as some you of you. You know, these the one guys. thing
2: I, between him, I talked to Lonzo Ball last night, between talking to all these guys, like, this is a rough time to be doing an interview if you're one of these guys. I mean, you think about it, like, it's almost like you're a politician and you don't want to say the wrong thing to anybody because your right. future rides on what happens in the next two weeks. So I get it. Like, a lot of these guys, they're watching what they say and they want to um, say the right thing.
1: Well, it's also a product of having been asked. So many of these questions, time and again, by guys like our main man Scott Howard Cooper, joining us now on the Hang Time Podcast, NBA.com's dot com's West Coast Bureau Chief and Draft Expert, <laughs> Scott. I, I'm involved in the in the mock draft for NBA TV. I'm going to go ahead and tell tell you now. I, I picked Lonzo Ball at number two. Spoiler alert: Lonzo Ball, number two to the Lakers. Please tell me I'm not going to look like an idiot.
0: You are not going to look like an idiot. <laughs> um, I. I think that would have been the case anyway. Uh, One thing I've said from the very beginning uh, was that Lonzo Ball was not nearly the done deal to the Lakers that most people had been assuming, especially ever since lottery night and and the Lakers ended up at number two. But he has been the guy to beat. It's been his game to lose. And that has been the case all along, and that's something that front offices believe as well. So while I've always maintained that Aaron Fox was in the conversation, and Josh Jackson was in the conversation. Uh, I always stayed with Lonzo Ball at number two, and I think that the Lakers trade dealing D'Angelo Russell really locks it in probably. It it just went from about 98% to (laughs) 99.99%, especially after that deal that this sets up perfectly for Lonzo Ball.
2: Right. I, I was talking to him sort of as the news was coming out about the trade, and uh, as I was leaving, I said, hey, did you see the trade? And he just kind of gave me a little smile. Um, so I think, he, I, think he, I think he probably saw it the way we did too. So, But after that one and two, Scott, it feels like that's where this draft starts to kind of – Get a little more to me at least. Looks like it's a little less certain um, it, now that the Celtics are down at three. Um, I know you have them uh, looking at Josh Jackson from Kansas. Is that locked in, or is it still from kind of three downs? Is where it gets a little more questionable.
0: Not locked in, but I would say that's a likely. Uh, yeah, wouldn't be the big wouldn't be the biggest shock ever if they if they decided on De'Aaron Fox. Uh, maybe give Jason Tatum a look. But I would say it's a pretty strong lean uh, towards Josh Jackson. I would say that's a, uh, that's a probably, um, that, that there's a good chance that'll happen. And I think then things really get interesting at, at four with the Suns. One thing I would say about the Celtics as well, I'm not convinced that they're done dealing. That hmm. they could, just as they looked uh, to turn number one into assets and possibly a veteran, Number three is in play in the very same way. that I think that because it's such a good draft, even though it's not number one and doesn't come with that big spotlight, that I think that because the draft is so good, especially at the top this year, that there's that there will continue to be a lot of interest in number three. And so I'm not, uh, I'm not ruling out the possibility of a Boston trade, but if if the picks turn out the way they are now and the Celtics are at three, I think they do Josh Jackson. I think it's four. It's Jason Tatum or De'Aaron Fox. Uh, obviously, the Suns have Eric Bledsoe, but if you're Phoenix and you're sitting there and you're saying, we think that De'Aaron Fox has a chance to be great, yeah. and maybe maybe Eric Bledsoe's uh, high side is that he can be very good and never be an all-star, but we think that De'Aaron Fox can be an all-star seven times in the next in his career, then you go ahead and you make that trade, even though you have Eric Bledsoe, and then you have a trade chip in Eric Bledsoe. So uh, I think that uh, Jason Tatum or De'Aaron Fox goes four, and then whichever one of those guys doesn't go four ends up five to the Kings.
1: Hmm. Uh, talking all things NBA draft and new world order around the league with uh man, Scott Howard Cooper. Scott, the strangest thing about this draft to me is that it. People are talking like, well, it's you know, it's so deep. It, it, there's such quality down the you know the draft order. But then you look at some of the players, and I I don't, don't understand why a Lowry Markkinen or a Zach Collins. How how have these guys never risen above a certain waterline in these mock drafts? You know, a Donovan Mitchell. Like, what is it that keeps some of these talents from from ever getting mentioned? above maybe you know 8 or 9 Justin Jackson guy you know a guy who won a national championship and completely more you know his his game morphed from one year to the next he's now exactly what you're looking for a versatile 68 guy who can stretch the floor how how have these guys not been able to crack that top 7 or 8 in most mock drafts
0: I think it's more circumstances than anything I don't think it's a, a knock on them mm-hmm. I just think that the draft this year especially the top five or six, is so good right. that if this were a year ago, for example, uh, I think a guy like Markkinen uh, would be in the conversation at, at five or six or seven. Um, so there's, there's a lot of like out there for him. Mm-hmm. It's just there's not a lot of love when, you, when you're going uh, false ball, Fox, <laughs> you know, Josh Jackson. It's more that those guys are really good. And it is Mm. that there's not that many people that think that Lowry Markin or Zach Collins have a chance to be good, because they do. And the other thing is, is that it's the value of a point guard, and it's a position thing that, you know what, it's nice to have a big who can shoot, we all know the game is going that direction, and if you're a, a stretch four and you're making buckets, and that's that's Markkinen, and uh, Zach Collins has, has shown that he can have a really nice offensive game as well at, at power forward. Uh, there's an appeal to that, but if you're a point guard that has the ability to change games offensively and defensively, a guy like Darren Fox with his speed, uh, Markel Fultz with his ability not only to be a playmaker but to make baskets, to be a shooter, um, Alonzo Ball is such. has got such a high basketball IQ, makes the right pass on, on all the time. He's got a great feel for the game for a one-and-done. To get a point guard, I think we can all agree, if you can find a point guard that's going to have a long career, you want to grab that more than than maybe a guy who can be a terrific shooter like Lowry Markin or Malik Monk from at a different position. Right. I think it's just the circumstances more than – uh, there's no love out
2: there for Lowry remarking Scott it feels like that that top 10 like you said is, is kind of locked in with I mean there's a clearly like a tier of players in that top 10 and then from you know maybe 11 down it, it changes but one of the teams that has two picks in that top ten is Sacramento the team that where, where you are um, the, they were clearly watching the lottery hard and they end up keeping both of those picks in the top 10 it, how with that top group of the guys being as good as you said they are, how like transformative could this draft be for the Kings?
0: No, it's a huge, huge moment for Vlade Divac uh, and the entire organization because uh, having two lottery picks is not necessarily a good thing unless you've made a, <laughs> a terrific trade. Yeah, Two terrific trades. Because if you're in the lottery, that means you're not good. And if you're in the lottery every year, that means you're consistently really not good. And that's the Kings, and that's a bad thing. But If there is a year to have two picks in the top 10, this is it, and they have a chance to make a big, big jump forward. Uh, If you take the second half of the season that Buddy Heald had in 2016-17, and you pair him with two good prospects or very good prospects this year, you have a chance to bring over uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich from Europe, and he's a guy that... Is a terrific shooter and probably doesn't start, but a lot of people seem to think that, uh, can be a really good rotation player, can certainly contribute and, and help a team go from bad to good. Uh, Scalabissier had some encouraging moments the second half. Uh, as bad as things have been in Sacramento, they, they are positioned to take some nice steps forward that there is reason for encouragement. And so uh, if if you're going to have two picks in the top ten, the one thing that has gone right for the Kings is that to, to have two top ten picks in this year over most other years.
1: Uh, Scott, we got a uh, technical glitch here. I'm looking at uh, your mock draft. DJ Wilson is not in the first round. <laughs> what Did you not get my check? Don't you know we got to have a first rounder for Michigan every year? What? I mean, How did I, how's this possible? You know
0: what? I, I, I should have written that question down because I knew something was coming along those lines I should have I should have put it in the mail and mailed it to myself just to open it and say see I told you it was coming.
1: Um No, I mean but him yeah. along with a lot of other guys, TJ Leaf from UCLA. I, there are a lot of long athletic guys, you know, with tons of of ceiling that I really like in this draft. So I Are those the guys when we hear, you know, we all talk to executives who tell us how deep this draft is? Are are those some of the guys they're talking about when they say it's a super deep draft and you're going to be able to get a quality talent late in the first round, well into the second round of this draft?
0: Exactly, exactly. And I, I think when the real depth is when we talk about, as Lang mentioned, that top ten, mm-hmm. that uh, everybody seems to feel like it's pretty set there, that that's that that's a really good top ten. The guys are gonna, who are going to go 10 and 12 this year would have gone six or seven a year ago. And that's right. a good sign. But it's also when you get down to the late 20s and early 30s and you're talking about guys uh, like D.J. Wilson and uh, Derek White and Frank Jackson and Kyle Kuzma, uh, that these are guys that maybe in other years would have been 23, 25 and uh, really have a chance not only to kind of hang on and maybe make a team by going at the end of the first round, Early in the second, but have a chance to become contributors. Not necessarily right away. These are guys. Some of these guys are going to get to know the D League cities pretty well (laughs) uh, for for a year or so. G League, you you mean? G League. When you you project it out for three years or five years, uh, they have something to their game where you can say, "Yeah, there's there's something to build on there." And I could, see, you know, DJ Wilson didn't do a lot until this last season, and he had a really good 2016-17. You can see that he's got an upward trajectory. Uh, Derek White from Colorado, a classic example of a guy that's come from nowhere. Yeah. And now, uh, teams really like him a lot, and these are all names that uh, they're going to be hearing their name called. And it may not necessarily be in a glamorous position because it's not going to be in the lottery. And yet, teams can look at them and say, "I, I can work with this." You know, put them in our system, and we'll work with them in the D League and give him some practices against our. Uh, in our NBA team, and they're going to get a lot better. And check back with me in a year at Summer yeah. League uh, 2018 after they've had one year of pro experience and, and day one of training camp next uh, two seasons from now. Right. And th- there definitely is some talent down there to be had.
2: Scott, one of the teams I always like to watch on draft night is the Spurs because they always have a terrible pick. You know, at the end of the first round, into the second round, they they always draft somebody you've never heard of, and then the guy comes over, and or the guy gets to the team and he is able to contribute, and they turn him into to something that uh, works out pretty well usually. Uh, what have you heard with them this year, or have you seen people that they're looking at, or or players they might be targeting?
0: Breaking news: the Spurs operation is very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and. And that's why somebody asked me one time uh, in doing another one of these interviews is that if you get a guy at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round, if you get somebody in the late 20s and they turn out to be good, that's really just luck, right? That you just have to hope somebody's there and that you're throwing darts against the board at that point. And I said, well, no. Certainly there's a little bit of luck involved that that enough teams have passed on a guy that he's still there for you to take. But no, it's not luck. That there's a reason why uh, some teams – can do well picking so late, and that's because uh, guys like with RC Buford as is, is the top guy in the draft, and then Greg Popovich gets involved closer that it comes to the pick. These guys are just really good at their job. Uh, it's really impossible to say to pinpoint one or two guys uh, for them because when, sure. when you get down, once you get down to 29, uh, that's you know, you're looking more probably like it's six or eight guys that. that you have to consider the possibility because, again, your pick relies so much on what the 28 picks before you turned out to be. Right now I have Tyler Lydon uh, from Syracuse again. I like a Stretch it. four, as we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy that can give you offense. Jordan Bell from Oregon is like kind of the other too. side. He's yeah. a guy that can make a real impact mm-hmm. defensively. Uh, that's a name that's going to come up there. Some of the other guys that we've mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised to hear Derek White come up. Uh, that that's another option there. Uh, one thing that the Spurs, it, it's not just that they make good picks. They do such a great job of developing their players that they can take guys either that uh, a ton of other teams passed on or maybe that everybody passed on and grab a guy out of the D League, uh, maybe get somebody who is who uh, was an undrafted free agent and they take them and they develop them. Um, and now I know that that they really have high hopes for uh, DeJunte Murray, who was picked at the end mm-hmm. of the uh, end of the first round a year ago, and now could turn out to be a nice contributor. So, yeah, I, I like your thinking, Lang. That no matter what the pick is, you got to watch what the Spurs do, and yeah. you're going to give that you're going to give that number twenty nine pick more of a chance of working out. than than if a lot of other teams were picking at 29, just because not only the evaluation, not only the selection itself, but it's what they do with the guy once the pick is made, how uh, their assistant coaches, their D-League system, how the entire Spurs operation develops these guys once they've been
1: picked. Scott, do the Golden State Warriors enter into that category now as well with the quality of picks that they've made up and down the draft board, you know, not necessarily all high lottery picks. Draymond, a second-round pick. Patrick McCaw, to me, turns out to be a much better pick than I realized when they selected him. Draymond. Um, yeah, I mentioned him first. I mean, That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, do these guys I wouldn't push to the Warriors into that category as well?
0: Yeah, I don't know that, that you put them quite with the Spurs yet because mm-hmm. the Spurs have been doing it for forever and a day, and it's still relatively new. We're talking – you know, four or five years with the Warriors. but right. uh, there's no there's no question that they have a nice track record going. That when you get Draymond that late, and and I'm glad you mentioned Patrick McCaw because he's a guy that didn't get a lot of run, didn't get a lot of attention, I should say, this last season, and yet made a nice contribution. Yes, uh, not only they used him to fill in when uh, when Kevin Durant was hurt in the second half of the season, and he produced. And you look up and it's the finals and the first half and it's a close game and who's being sent to the game? The second round pick? <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, so so that's a step in the right direction, uh, in terms of their reputation. I think that anything any positive that anybody wants to say about the Warriors front office, I will second that they do such a great job in a lot of different areas. Cap yeah. management, uh, talent evaluation, uh and also Getting these guys late, which is what it takes. And now it's ob- it, it's obviously not always going to work out. Uh, there's been times where they spend a lot of money to, to get an extra pick, and the guy didn't work out, and things like that. But that's going to happen to everybody. Sure. Uh, I th- I think that that uh, the Warriors are named to keep an eye on uh, on Thursday night, even though they do not have a pick, because I think they're going to try to jump in mm-hmm. uh, probably early in the second round. I don't think they're going to mess around with the first round at all because they need to. You want to stay away from the salary cap uh, obligation that's gonna come with a, a three year commitment. Right. A multi year commitment with a first round pick. But I think that I think that you're gonna see them try to get in there in the thirties, maybe the early forties.
1: Right. You know, it's and I know you gotta run, Scott, so we're not gonna hold you much longer, but I, I look at players in the college game and in which NBA team I'd love to see them on like is as, as a fit. And I, there's one guy, I don't know, you tell me if there's some guys who have really impressed you in this process leading up to the draft. But I, I watching highlights, I fallen in love with this Frank Mason from Kansas. And I know he's undersized. Yeah. But, yeah. man, you talk about a hard-nosed dude who shoots it, who's a winner. Like there, There's still a place for a guy like that on an NBA team somewhere as a second-round pick, isn't there?
0: Absolutely. Uh, for all the intangibles, for a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned it, the obvious drawback is the size. It's not, it, it's not a deal breaker. Uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas says hello. <laughs> uh, Tyler Eulis had a, right. a terrific second half you know, for the Suns last year as a rookie and showed that he's got a future in this league. So it, it's not like you're saying uh, guys too small don't bother taking
1: him. But right.
0: there are some other limitations. But then when you look on the plus side, man, he's got a lot of positives. Yeah, uh, the ex- the experience. He's a terrific leader. Uh, he's so reliable. Uh, I, I don't. I agree with you. I don't. I don't think there's any question that that's a guy. That right now I've got him at forty-four.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: even if you're looking somewhere in the middle of the second round, maybe even a little bit later, maybe somebody goes a few ticks later and, and touches the fifties. Uh, he still has a chance because of all those other things. Coaches are going to love this guy right. wherever he goes. Uh, because he's so smart, uh, because he plays the right way, he understands what it means to play in pressure. If you come from Kansas, you've been in big games right. year after year. And it's a, real, it's a real interesting time to have that conversation. You brought it up at the perfect year uh, because there are a few other guys like Frank Mason, uh, Josh Hart, and they're not all point guards, but most of them are point guards. Josh Hart from Villanova has mm-hmm. been there. Monty Morris
1: uh, from Iowa State. Yeah. From
0: Iowa State. Yeah, from Iowa been State. a his entire also, career. Also, it's just so reliable. Um, uh, and there's uh, a Williams, uh, Williams Goss. Uh, right, from Gonzaga. From Gonzaga. Yeah. Also, also, and the guys who have uh, played at a high level are smart. Uh, you're not picking them thinking, boy, this guy's going to turn out to be an all-star, but you're thinking mm-hmm. this guy can make our team, and if he's a, our third point guard, maybe even turns into a backup. They're just so dependable, and there's a lot to be said for reliability. Maybe he's got a pretty low ceiling in compared to some of the other guys that have a chance to turn into something special, but they've also got a low floor. That There's, there's going to be a sense of security taking a guy like Mason or Williams Goss or Monty Morris or Josh Hart that you may not get a pop, but there's a pretty good chance you're going to get a payback on
1: those guys. No doubt. Scott Howard Cooper joining us here on the eve of the NBA draft. Lang, I know you're going to be on at ground zero along with Scott John Schumann in a cast of thousands. The NBA draft tips off at 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN and NBA TV this year. Kenny Smith, Steve Smith, Seth Davis, our man Scott Howard Cooper, and Bleacher Report capologist Eric Pincus will all be joining Casey Stern at the Barclays Center with Jerry Greenberg reporting. And our man Trey Kirby, serving as the social media correspondent, should be a crazy and wild night. There could be trades and everything else going on. We're going to have an instant analysis after the draft with Lang and John Schumann here on the Hang Time Podcast. As always, please subscribe. Be sure to leave a review and uh, come back next Thursday for a wrap up edition of the draft and a look ahead to free agency. Scott, did somebody, has anybody asked you lately about our offseason and what we do during the offseason? Because there that is no a, off season. Yeah. No, that has not come up. Not even My kids don't even care. <laughs> there is no off-season. In fact, I want your 2018 mock draft in my email inbox by 1 a.m. on Thursday after the draft. I want to know I've, what you have cooking for next year.
0: You're way behind. I'm about to send you 2023.
1: <laughs> awesome. We appreciate you, Scott. I know you're busy, man. And t- thanks for always taking the time for us here on the Hangtime Podcast.
0: It's great, and enjoy the ride on Thursday
1: night. Thanks, man. Lang, Thanks, God. Get some rest, um, and I will see you right here next week on the Hangtime Podcast. Later.
0: Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast, and be sure to subscribe on
2: iTunes for a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as
1: always, people, remember, say kuna matata.